Are you alert for the language of the Spirit in your life? It's just crazy stuff can happen if we're aware and alert to it. Um, I had the distinct privilege of taking my good friend, friends Jim Wolf and Pat Daly out fishing, and I was calling on God for abundance of fish, and Jim kept suggesting we cast our net on the other side, but it didn't work. <laughs> and we got skunked, but as soon as he got home that afternoon, someone came by his door, first time in his whole life where someone came by his uh, front door offering to sell him fish. <laughs> God's sense of humor. <laughs> I was concerned about family member that's uh, not feeling well today, and I was just calling on God, kind of fretting a little bit, you know, and is it one of the things I was praying for up here at the altar, and I kind of fretting, and I looked up, and I saw, I saw this little uh, guitar um, stand here. It says, fret, rest. <laughs> and God spoke to me about, just, just Dan, go to rest. Are you alert to that kind of stuff? I hope you are, because God totally likes to talk with you about stuff like in the course of your life. If you have an atmosphere of faith for it, all the more. I have uh, something I thought was kind of funny I wanted to share with you this morning. I remember when I was a kid, you could go to the store with a $1 bill and come home with three bags of chips, two candy bars, and a cold drink. Now they have cameras everywhere. <laughs> We continue our series from 1 Corinthians this morning on on-ramps to God's grace, on-ramps to his undeserved favor, his undeserved blessing. It's not that we do certain things to earn his undeserved favor, that, that's an oxymoron. I mean, if you're expecting something from God because you think you deserve it, then it's not grace. It's only grace if you don't deserve it, and if you're fully aware of that, that's all the better. I was reminded that when I was at the University of Portland, I was on a very strict schedule for my life. I worked to help put myself through college. I was training to be an elementary school teacher. Heavy school schedule. But I, and a new girlfriend, Brenda Gunderson. Very time consuming, happily. But in the course of my studies, I had a disciplined um, regimen for my life that included prayer, included Bible reading, included time with God, and I always, I always felt close to God uh, through, those, through those times of going to school, but I noticed that when I would break for spring break or for Christmas break, I wouldn't feel as close to God, and I, got to, I finally figured it out. It was because I didn't have built into my schedule times for on-ramps to God's grace. Certain things like Bible reading and prayer and, and church attendance and, and attending the word, listening to sermons, you know, just different things, communion, different things that we've talked about, repentance, different things we've talked about that are, that are means, means of God's grace. And so we have this series, and today we're going to talk about the grace of verbal and written blessing and the grace of water baptism. In the next few minutes, that's what we're going to 
be uh, sharing about. First, the grace of blessing. And we're looking at 1 Corinthians. And it's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1. I put 1 Corinthians chapter 4, but it's actually chapter 1 and verse 4. So here we go. Um, The grace of verbal blessing. And let's uh, read. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, undeserved favor, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance, in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come up short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will always confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, the apostle Paul, as an apostle, is going to give some tough love statements, some tough love teaching in 1 Corinthians to his friends there in Corinth, but he establishes them in their identity first and foremost because he never wants to, in his correction of people, attack their essence or, or cause them to feel like in their essence they're messed up. He always wants to affirm them in the blessing of undeserved favor that affects your core being, your personhood, your self-image. Psychologists tell us it's impossible to act inconsistent with our self-image. And there is a self-image that the New Testament imposes on us that it would behoove us to fully embrace and always read everything else in the New Testament and the Old Testament through the eyeglasses of, um, or contact lenses, of God's love and God's favor. Well, this whole business of the grace of blessing, I just read, um, we're going to look at, uh, highlight a few of the special items there. But I want to mention, first of all, that it's not always easy to have the habit of, of speaking blessing, speaking words of encouragement, speaking uh, words, not in terms of flattery, but in terms of, of speaking words that break off discouragement off of people, speaking words that are inspiring to people. It's a, it's a holy habit that requires supernatural help from the Holy Spirit. And God calls us to set our minds on what the Spirit desires as a lifestyle. Our, those that walk in the Spirit, the call of God is to set our minds on what the Spirit desires and speak forth uh, out of the supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit. Then and only then can we go the extra mile. I want to ask you a question. Could this sermon not just be another good sermon from one of our preaching teams? Could it be actually a point of change for us where we are catalyzed into a greater expression of verbal blessing in our homes, in our, amongst our friends, um, in church life, in our extended families, where we can break off habits of negative speaking and not indulge because this is how I feel, this is how I think, this is just who I am. I am who I am, that's all that I am. We don't have to be like Popeye in that sense. We can... We can actually speak out of the Spirit and be a blessing. I wonder, what would happen in your family, in your home, if there was twice as many blessings spoken out and written out 
as there are currently now in your home? What if there was half as much negative speaking in your home and twice as much blessing? How, would that change your home? And I want to tell you, you can go the extra mile. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's tough, but it, the, spirit, the Spirit can give us that holy habit. I heard someone say the other day, I don't always go the extra mile, but when I do, it's because I miss my exit. <laughs> well, we can go the extra mile in the power and presence of Jesus to speak blessing over people. I remember... Um, one of the things that I learned early on teaching elementary school was that you can make kids behave and then give them credit for it and send a note home praising them. And boy, I had some shocked kids and some shocked parents. That first time they ever got notes about how great a behavior their kid had, was engaged in. And it was because Mr. Mickelson made him do it but gave them credit for it. And the parents were blessed and the kid was blessed and God knows I was blessed. Let's consider for a few moments what the Apostle Paul addresses in terms of speaking more positively as a great example of affirming the Corinthians in their, in their lives, in their personhood, in their essence, in their core being in Christ. First, you'll note that he says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace, the undeserved favor of God which was given to you. He's referring to the grace that was given to them when they got good saved a few years back. And I'm going to give you a chance to be saved today in your life, to have for you what happened to the Corinthians on the days that the Apostle Paul preached Christ to them. You're going to get a chance at the end of this message to receive Christ if you don't have him in your life yet as your Savior and your Lord. Have an altar call at the end for that reason or a prayer together. First of all, Paul is affirming them in their testimony about how they got good saved. And I'm wondering, do you cherish, do you savor, do you consider your testimony, how you came to Christ? And can we, in the culture of our church, recognize that, I mean, concerning affirming words and it being an avenue of God's grace or on ramp for God's grace, it, it's a little bit awkward for me to stand up in front of a congregation or for you to stand up here and say, okay, give me some encouraging words so I can have some grace. Would you agree that might be a little bit awkward? I mean, David would do it, but none of us would do it, right? <laughs> we stand up here and say that? No, we wouldn't say that. But, but we can, here's what we can do. We can be a part of the sowing and reaping at New Song Church, and you can be a part of the sowing and reaping in your home and in your extended family amongst relatives. You can be the one that goes the extra mile on the power of the Holy Spirit and makes it, make a decision that you are going to live a, a greater life with what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians, let your words always be with grace, always be with undeserved favor so that you're speaking, not flattery, but affirming people in what you see and, and blessing in them. And one of the things that we can do is, is if we all work at this, we can improve. Our, the culture of our church is already this way. We, we preach about this from time to time. Different preachers preach about this from time to time. And it, it, it does affect. And the Spirit of God is doing this in our lives for sure too. But I want to invite us today to have an even greater upgrade in our homes 
in our, in our church culture of this kind of affirmation. And you see, as the culture increases in its positivity with words and, and uh, written and verbal words, like the Apostle Paul is demonstrating, a great example right here, then we are going to be in the receiving end of that individually, right? Because it's going to be in the atmosphere, in the context in which we do church, in, which, in the context in which we do family, okay? One of the things I like to do to celebrate people's testimony of coming to Christ is a Jesus paper that when I often will go out on a Saturday, been doing that for many, many years, and do home-to-home power evangelism, offer to pray for people. Jesus still heals today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Get a chance to pray for people and share the, ask them if I can share the gospel with them in less than two minutes and seen some real fruitfulness from that. But if they're not home or they're not coming to the door, I like to leave on the doorknob a a door hanging, inviting them to church. And I also roll up a testimony that looks like this, Jesus paper. And I'm on track to to pass out a thousand of these this this coming year. I've been, uh, there's a lot of times people don't come to the door. That's that's okay, I'll work with that. But uh, Lisa, Lisa Peterson's amazing testimony it's very moving, and I'm, right now I'm using this. We have uh, about four different testimonies we're using, but we're hoping to even more. And, and uh, David Grant is actually collating, gonna start, going to start collating some, some testimonies of how people came to Christ and put it in a book. I'm really excited about that, more about that in the future. And also our video testimonies. But just one of the favorite things I like to do when I meet uh, someone is to ask them, how did you come to Christ? Because it's always a miraculous, cool story. I love to hear the stories of how people come to Christ. And uh, it's good for them to share it. It's good for me to hear it. it. And I want to encourage us all to have that habit in our life, to ask people, how did you come to Christ? And then revel in, with them in the blessings of their coming to Christ, Okay. The second thing, besides testimony, Paul refers to in this passage we read is to speak about encouraging words about their life upgrades. Do you, do you know your life has really been upgraded when you, because you came to Christ? It's, he says here, you were enriched. In the Greek, that means enriched. You were made richer in everything by him. Do you know every area of your life you got an upgrade? I can prove it to you right now. When you think about the life, your, the, your, the direction your life was going before you came to Christ, where would you be right now if you hadn't come to Christ? Some of you would, would, wouldn't be here. And I recognize something else. I recognize that even though you came to Christ, you could say, well, my life, I've had some tough times even after coming to Christ. Well, so have I. But I do know this because Romans 8, 28 is still in the Bible. All things are working together for my good. That there is enrichment. I was talking to someone just, uh, what was it? It was Wednesday evening, I believe. Young friend and I were talking with a young mom. And she, uh, she said, I've had, I've had some real trials physically, but God healed me. But you know what? Because I had that trial, she said, I, wasn't, I, I got to thinking... If I hadn't had that trial, I wouldn't have the depth of relationships at New Song Church that I have now. And I've 
she said it with tears, I'm so thankful for what Jesus Christ has done for me, how he turned that trial into something so beautiful and deep and wonderful in my personal journey. He who did not spare his own only son, will he not freely give you all things? Jesus is for blessing you in every area of your life. Live with that kind of expectation, that kind of faith, and then look for that in other people. Let's see uh, going the extra mile, increase of of noting the blessing of God and other people and giving a, a, a written or a verbal hooray to them in their presence. It will give them an emotional and spiritual, um, it will be an emotional, spiritual means of grace that will give them a, a, uh, such an inspiration in their life journey. And I might just add this. It is so true that when we, when we minister discouragement or negativism to people, their whole life can go downhill. But if we, miss, if we minister positivity and affirmation, boy, everything else in their life, and I know people need to be responsible for their own spiritual well-being, and we shouldn't give power to anybody else to, um, for our emotional state. But I'm just saying it's a whole lot easier to live in, this, uh, to live in community and in family when there is a holy habit where we go the extra mile with our words. Speak about their giftedness. Paul says, so that, so that you guys come short in no gift. Think about that. How would you like the Apostle Paul to speak over New Song Church? There's lots of spiritual gifts and you guys come behind in none of them. 100% A plus smiley face on all the spiritual gifts at New Song Church. That's what he's saying here to the Corinthians. He's saying, I know what's going on there, and you guys have something amazing going on. You are a true charismatic Pentecostal dynamic church. It's awesome. He's giving them that encouragement. So do you know that you can discern people's gifts sometimes by the Holy Spirit? I'll never forget the day that I was at the mall and this looking for people to share the gospel with, and I saw a middle school age young man sitting on a bench and I suddenly felt a, a, a wave of the Holy Spirit that he, is, he has a calling to be a pastor in his life. And I, I walked up to him, didn't even introduce myself, didn't ask him his name. And sometimes when you're in the anointing of the Spirit, awkward just goes out the window, you don't worry about anything. And I just said to him, young man, have you ever thought about being a pastor? You know what he said to me? He said, I think about it all the time. And so I prayed a short prayer blessing that. And I want to I tell you something. For me, it was just one of the way I live my life. I live my life trying to listen to the Holy Spirit. I've, I haven't often had something as profoundly meaningful as that. But it, it does happen, and there's going to be more. I'm growing. But I want to tell you something. From his perspective, his whole life, he's never going to forget the, the, the stranger that walked up to him and affirmed his calling to be a pastor. I think about him from time to time and I pray for him. Prayed for him this morning. Called on God for him that God would work in his life because I saw something in him and I blessed it. And we can do that in our life journey. We can discern things and, and we need to distinguish between what a gift a person might wish they had and what they actually have. We don't want to affirm anybody the wrong direction, right? I mean, don't ever tell me I'm an amazing worship leader. <laughs> might not be a good idea. <laughs> But you can say other nice things if you want. I'm waiting. No, just kidding. <laughs> Speak about their giftedness. Speak about their faith anointings. You come short in no gift. 
eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is affirming them in their expectation for the rapture, for the second coming of Christ, when the dead in Christ will rise first and those of us who are remaining will be caught up together with them in the clouds and the air. And so we will ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. They had enough faith for that. They expected that. And so do you. So do I. But that revelation that he's referring to can also mean kingdom revelation. The wonder, wonderful kingdom delights that go along with being seated together in heavenly places right now in Christ Jesus. So when you see faith on people, when you see expectation on people, when you see an anointing of, of God's about to do something on people, speak it to them. It will increase. It will be a means of grace to them. And we can see an upgrade. We can go the extra mile to be alert uh, for this kind of thing in our families, with children, with grandchildren, extended families, our church life. We can discern faith and any hint of faith that you and I see. We can pour water on it. Paul, one, one, Paul says, one planted, one watered, God gave the increase. And when we see faith, we can... Do you know when Jesus Christ um, looked, on the, looked on the woman and said, regarding her healing, be it so according to your faith, do you know it wasn't, he wasn't folding his arms saying, I don't know if you have enough faith, but if you do, you're going to be healed? He wasn't saying that. You know what he was, he was, it is my opinion, looking at that scripture and all the scriptures like that, that Jesus discerned faith and he said, be it so according to that. Be it so according to your faith. Because he saw faith. He saw an anointing of faith. And faith is something that we stir up in our, in our own lives, in our own I mean, by reading the word and by declarations. But there is, uh, from time to time, an anointing of faith that hits us. And if someone sees that and says, wow, you sure have an anointing of faith on that, that's, and, and they, they say that, that, it, that stirs us up for even more. Then finally, we want to speak the resurrection presence of Jesus Christ. And this is a supernatural dynamic that we have an ability... I remember Paul Yonggi Cho, the mega church in Seoul, Korea, continually with his leaders would emphasize that every single time you're with people, try your very best in the Holy Spirit to give them Jesus. Not to just give them words about Jesus, but to impart the resurrected presence of Christ to people. And that's a, that's a challenge, that it's an invitation to go the extra mile. The Apostle Paul writes in, uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. What's the same thing? Jesus and the things of Jesus. That there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, brethren, by those of Chloe's household. Chloe was a kingdom businesswoman that had come from Ephesus to over to Corinth, saw the, some of the chaos there in their charismatic chaos church, <laughs> and then came back and told Paul about it. And uh, Paul writes this letter partly in response to that. He says that there are contentions among you. Would you agree with me that contentions in your home take energy away from you? And in church life, sure. Now I say this, that each of you says, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, that's that's Peter. Or I'm of Christ. I followed Christ around when, when he was walking on this earth, so I'm special. Is Christ divided? 
Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? What's he saying here? He's saying get rid of negativism in your quest for positivism. There's a village in England called Chittingston. And it's a Tudor village from the fifth, uh, perfectly preserved from the 1500s. It's near where my daughter Sarah lives and her family. And we went there uh, a few years ago. Now there's a picture of it. And actually the village is nearby, but the reason it's called Chittingston is because there's a chiding stone a couple blocks from the town down by the river. A chiding stone, and when, when in the 1500s, someone especially wanted to criticize someone and wanted to make a public dem demonstration of it, they dragged him down, made him stand on the stone, and the whole village would come around and yell insults at the person. So much so that the atmosphere of the town was so prevalent and known for this that the ta town's name became Chittington. Or Chittington, I forget which one it is. But anyway, <laughs> how atmospheres can change with negativism, huh? And you'll remember that the word devil, uh, diabolos in the Greek in the New Testament means slanderer. We don't want to find ourselves agreeing with the devil in someone's life, do we? We want to agree with Jesus. I want to speak with you in the few minutes we have remaining about the grace of water baptism. Let's read 1 Corinthians 1, verse 13. I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus. Remember Crispus? Crispus was the synagogue ruler. After Paul left the synagogue, it started a church right next door, and they worshiped. Probably had worship like we had going on this morning, so powerful and beautiful and anointed. And then they heard it, and Crispus, he was trying to manage. He was the ruler of the synagogue. He, he you know, trying to preach the law to everybody that came. And all the, and next door, there was this constant grace, grace preaching and worship and signs and wonders and amazing things. Finally, he said, you know what? I, the law has led me to Christ. I'm done here. I'm going to go next door. And, he, and Paul baptized him. Hallelujah. He got himself good saved and moved on. Gaius was a fellow preacher that, got, that Paul, that Paul uh, led to Christ and baptized. Lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Well, oh yeah, I baptized the household of Stephanus. Is an example of Paul being very conscientious about telling the truth. That's a great uh, little illustration there for us always to be conscientious about telling the truth, not exaggerate or not uh, lie. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ be made of known effect. In this passage, the Apostle Paul elevates baptism. He uses the word, Greek word, not in the name of Jesus, as many of the English translations say, but it's the Greek word ice, which means into. You were not baptized into my name, implication. You were baptized into the name of Jesus. So when you were baptized in water, you were put into the name of Jesus. You were put into the presence of Jesus. Name in the Greek also conveys the notion of presence as well as labeling the person. You're baptized into the presence of Jesus Christ. And that's a theological reality, but it's also an experiential reality. When Jesus Christ was baptized in water, remember the Spirit came down on him like a dove? And God said, this is my son whom I love. I'm well pleased. Well, because you're in Christ, when you got baptized in water, the Spirit of God came on you. Peter says in, in Acts chapter 2, if... Uh, 
you know, when they said, what shall we do to be saved? He said, believe in Jesus Christ, be baptized, repent and believe, and you too will receive the Holy Spirit. I want to especially emphasize that being in Christ experientially because of your water baptism, is that was, a, that was a, an on-ramp of God's undeserved favor for your life, and it thrust you into an ability to continually receive from the Holy Spirit. God saw you when you got dunked in the water as being baptized, immersed into the death of Christ. You were in solidarity with his death, and when you came out of the water, you were in solidarity with the, with the resurrection of Christ on the first Easter Sunday morning. And that is something that continues in you, and you have the right to continually revel in the power of the cross of Christ for you and the resurrection of Christ for you and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is not just a one-time shot, but a continual outpouring into your life. Paul is elevating preaching over baptism, but he's not minimizing baptism in this passage. He's saying it's awesome and you were baptized into the name of Jesus. Remember when I was baptized in water, I was shocked because a girl from another church was baptized in Salmon Creek. Let's put a picture of that up there. <laughs> Salmon Creek, Washington by Hawkinson, Washington. Population 50 <laughs> then. And she came out of the water speaking in tongues. That kind of freaked me out. <laughs> but you know, the thing that shocked me was when I went down in the water and I came out, my sins were forgiven. I marked that as my salvation because that's when the, the guilt lifted. And, and that's when I felt the positive presence of the Spirit. Abba, my spirit cried. And the Spirit testified with my spirit that I was a son of God. I tell you what, the, uh, the Spirit came down like a dove on me. And the same thing happened to you. It came down peacefully like a dove. After uh, a couple years, I was asked to speak at, um, in, about baptism and to baptize a couple people at Louisville Park from a ladies' Bible study from the church I was in at the time. So I went. It was a summer afternoon. And we baptized three or four people that were in this ladies' Bible study in the Lewis River. And there, a crowd gathered from people that were swimming and people that were around there just kind of resting. And you know that day, I ended up baptizing 18 people in that river. Because of the anointing. It was, Jesus is the desire of the nations. He's irresistibly attracted to the Holy... People are irresistibly attracted to the Holy Spirit. Some are. And what a great day that was. There's also an amazing grace in baptizing other people, if you haven't noticed. That's why the Apostle Paul... I believe the Apostle Paul says, I didn't baptize very many, because he wanted to give the ministry away. People that led the person to Christ, a spiritual father or mother in their life... How many of you have ever baptized somebody? Yeah, several of you, a dozen of you or so. I want, to, you, I want to just say, right now you're smiling because you remember it's an awesome experience. There's a grace, an on-ramp to God's undeserved favor in getting to baptize people too. It's a world-rocking experience, isn't it? Let's stand up. These are some avenues of God's grace, affirming words, Let's go the extra mile. Let's save our own baptism. Let's rejoice vicariously. Their testimony is your testimony every time someone's baptized here at New Song Church. 
We share the blessing. And let's continue to lead people to Christ and see them come to faith in baptism. You'd like to receive Christ right now? Say this after me. Let's make it easy for everybody by saying it together. Dear Lord Jesus, I call upon you to save me right now. I'm saved. I'm born from above. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Don't forget there's a Marty Peterson team prophetic ministry right now. Stay after it. Get an inspiring personal word from God. We love you. God loves you. Have a great rest of your day.